about running late. It's one of those things that uh, I set everything, worked on it on the computer. So this morning I, um, instead of running over there when I first got up, tried to print it out. Uh, I took the dog for a walk and then I went over and put everything down, hooked up to the printer, um, hit the button, nothing happened. <laughs> and of course I get kind of frustrated because I did everything on the computer. So then I called Daryl and tried to go over to his house and print it off. When I got over there, the computer quit. I guess what I should do is write these things out by hand, and then you, you know, then you don't, you don't wind up missing out because you get it's all the technical difficulties. My computer runs very slow, and we found out that it was in the process of updating, so nothing would come up. <laughs> anyway, I will try to cut it short. I kept you here a little bit longer than what you probably wanted to be here. Uh, we do have special music today. It will be the children and adults. Um, they are going to sing uh, This Little Light of Mine. Uh, so we have special music today.
That was very good. Thank you. Yesterday, Daryl gave us a good eye view of what the world tomorrow is going to be like, what you look forward to. I got to thinking of that, and I thought, well, that'd be pretty nice. I'd like to find a great big tiger and give it a hug. We'll do that now, but but um, there's a whole attitude of of the animals that are going to be changed in that period of time. So it's a, that was a real good look at what we're going to have the opportunity to be a part of. Of course, we'll be we have the opportunity here to be spirit beings, so the uh, animals won't bother us anyway. We can change our mind or whatever. But uh, for the people that live into the world tomorrow, uh, they're going to have the opportunity to see these animals. And uh, and our, I can look at little kids like uh, that we have here, the little ones that they could play with some of these animals that they like to draw pictures of or see. So it's going to be it's going to be a really a wonderful opportunity that's going to be in front of us. When I think about that, God has a master overall plan. Uh, his plan is set up to bring a family, make a big family. So we know it's going to start out with spirit beings, uh, 144,000, which will be at the trump, at the, will be transferred from human beings, physical, to spirit beings. So that's a tremendous thing to look at. But in God's plan, he knows that human beings make mistakes. We come up short, like we call it, uh, we miss the mark, or we call it sin. And so because of our connection to the world and to our own human nature and to Satan, God set that plan up with the Passover, which was set up to help us get our sins forgiven. So he knew that he had to pay the penalty someplace for sin because as in Romans 3.23 says all have sinned. So every human being sinned. So God used that to say, okay, we'll have the Passover. The Passover is the sacrifice for that sin because unless there is a penalty paid, then you die. In 6.23 it says, for the wages of sin is death. So if we continue to sin, the only thing that is for us is the lake of fire. So God gave us the Passover to take care of that. Then he set up the Feast of Weeks, which was a, a time that represents those that are the first fruits, those that he will bring along and help to through guidance and direction, through sermons and through the scriptures to get rid of your uh, ungodly attitudes and try to become more like God. So we have the Feast of First Fruits. And then we have the Trumpets. And we've gone over that just a few weeks, uh, a week or so back. When that trumpet sounds, those that have put on the wedding garments, those that have really worked with their life and changed will be transformed then from physical to spirit. 
the dead will raise first. We see that in First Thessalonians. And the, those that are alive, that are put their garments, their wedding garments on, will be transformed from human to spirit. And then we have the atonement. The atonement is, and I've thought about this for many years. I've been in the church now for 58. This is 58. Feast uh, of Tabernacles, and so over the years it was taught at one with God. So what it is is those that will become spirit beings will be at one with God. And I think about that as of all the things in my past and the people that I've known. I think of the Feast of Tabernacles as that's going to be the time when I'm going to get to see these people again, hopefully. I would I always look forward to seeing Noah, um, Enoch, Abraham. But I think the most important thing that I look forward to is to be able to see God and hear Him, see Him, hear Him, and be there with Him. And to be able to see Christ. We, we read about God. We read about Christ. But in the world tomorrow, when we're transformed, when we're at one with Christ, with the Father. We will see them. And that is an exciting time because right now when I pray, I say, I'd, I'd like to hear God talk to me. Well, maybe not. You know, when they came out of Egypt and they walked for 50 days till they got to the mount and God spoke to them, those people then said, okay, uh, God talked to Moses and let Moses talk to us. We just don't want to hear God. But when we're transformed, we're going to be able to hear God and we won't be afraid because we will be able to see Him as He is. And then that brings us to the Feast of Tabernacles. In the, in the um, things I was reading, they say the Feast of Tabernacles is the Feast of Ingathering. I got to think, well, that's, that's probably pretty, pretty true. It's talking of, of uh, physical food because they would gather their final crop of the year and bring it in. But here, uh, Feast of Ingatherings, he's going to gather the people that go through the tribulation. So he will be ingathering a certain number of people. It's also known as the, as the time when Israel left Egypt and they marched through the wilderness for 40 years and they lived in tents so we call it the Feast of Temporary Housing or Feast of Booths. So as I studied this and got to thinking about it I thought well is there something more that I can think about? So I did go and I I want to go back to start with a beginning. Maybe not the beginning, but a beginning. Um, let's go to Job chapter 38. Job chapter 38. This is talking about a beginning. Long time ago. We don't know how long. We don't know of all that. But here in Job chapter 38, verse 3 says, God talking to Job. Job was a master builder. It's believed that Job actually built one of the 
one of the pyramids. So here's Job as a master builder. He knew how to build things. And it says, God speaking to Job said, Gird up now your loins like a man, for I will demand of you and answer you me. So God wanted Job, God actually talked to Job through a vision and said, uh, Answer me. I'm going to give you some questions. I want you to tell me about it. Verse 4, Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? As a builder, you, you have to have a good, solid foundation. If you're going to build a skyscraper, they, they dig really deep into the ground until they find bedrock that they can anchor the whole building on. So God said to Job, you're the builder. Tell me, who laid the foundation of, the, of, of everything? Declare if you have the understanding. So, God wanted to know, Job, what do you think? What do you, you, you have all these things to say up to this point, so now you answer me. Who laid the, the measure thereof, if you know? You know, when they lay it out, they measure everything right to the smallest point they can get to. Everything is laid out. You have to know ahead of time exactly how to do it. Who uh, stretched the line thereof? Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Or who laid the cornerstone of? So there was a lot of questions God wanted to know from Job because he was answering things that he didn't know about. And then he goes on in verse 7 and says, when he asked who laid the cornerstone, who did all these things, he says, when the morning stars sang together and the sons of God shouted for joy. When God set up all these things, this is a beginning when he set it out, and the angels that were there shouted for joy because they saw something spectacular. And to them it was a fabulous thing. It was very astounding because they were shouting for joy at all this thing. This is a beginning. Way before we can think of other things. Now let's go to Job, I mean to Ezekiel 28. Ezekiel 28. And we begin in verse 12. Ezekiel 28, verse 12. Son of man, Take up a lamentation upon the king of Titus, and say unto him, Thus says the eternal God, You sealed up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. So, this is not talking about a human being here. We're now transformed into God speaking of the, of the angel hierarchy. Anyway, we call him Satan. You have been in Eden, the garden of God. People have said, well, this is talking about Satan when he was walking in the garden with Adam and Eve. But it says here that you, you, uh, you were full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. When Satan was in the garden with Adam and Eve, he wasn't full of beauty. and He wasn't perfect. He was corrupt. So this is not talking about a time when 
uh, Satan walked in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. This is a time prior to that. This is a beginning long before that. So you walked in the Garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis and the topaz, the diamond, the barrel, the gold of the workmanship of the, of the tablets and the, your pipes prepared in you in the day that you were created. So here's a time when he was fantastic. He was the best that God had created. So we know that it's not when he walked in the Garden of Eden because he was corrupt. So here's a time long before that. You are the anointed cherub that covers. So he's talking about uh, Satan before he became Satan. He was a perfect being, one of God's best creations. So here's a time, long time before Adam and Eve. And I have set you so. Uh, you were upon the holy mountain of God. You have walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire. I try to figure that out myself, what it's like to be able to walk, what, what this whole scenario was like. It was fantastic at that time. And he could walk up and down in front of God. You were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created. So, here's a time he said you were perfect. So this is a fantastic time. They had everything working for them. But then it goes on and said, until iniquity was found in you. So here is a being that was working. We're going on to see that he was around, but something happened in his life. I think we can go back. I think it's in John. It says, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. This is what became to Satan when he changed from being this covering cherub, beautiful, fantastic, everything going great. It was a wonderful time, but he made a mistake. So until iniquity, sin, he lusted for something that wasn't here. By the multitude of your merchandise, they have filled... Uh, the, the midst of you with violence and you have sinned therefore I will cast you as profane out of the mountain of God and I will destroy you O covering cherub from the midst of the stones of fire so a time period went on he was he was the head of everything that was on the earth and everything was going great until sin come in. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. In that lust, he thought how great I was. Can you imagine here this beautiful creature that God had created on an earth that was, everything was perfect in it when he first started. But somewhere down the line, he got to thinking. So many times I've seen that happen. He got to thinking, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty. I'm great. I ought to be the leader. 
And that's when destruction began. You have defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your merchandising. So it says they were, there were things happening on this earth at that time. There were kings that were set up of those underneath him. There's probably all still angelic beings. We don't know whether they were human or not, but we know that they were still a lot. We don't know how many angels there were, but there were probably billions of total. And so here they were, and he had a whole thing happening. He, he found that he was so good, and he had so much power, that why shouldn't I be God? Why shouldn't I take over? Well, he wanted the head. And we find that even in today in society. There are those that want to be the one in charge. I want to be the head. I want to rule everything. Look at our country. They had a country when I was, I was born before the full-fledged Second World War. We had everything. It was great. As a kid, I, I never hurt for anything. We, we had a war going on, but it didn't make much sense to me because we had everything we wanted. But somewhere down the line, those that were in charge wanted a little bit more. And so we find it. Throughout society it has been that way. And when God brought Israel out of Egypt, he set up uh, judges. They didn't like this judge, so they get rid of him. Or the judge got them doing the right way, and as soon as he died, what did they do? They went backwards, went back to doing other things. In Isaiah 14, it says, it's again talking about Satan. Satan says, I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Other translation says, he wanted to be the Most High, not just like him. He wanted to rule everything. In Second Peter 2, verse 10, Second Peter 2, 10, but chiefly among them walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despised governments. Presumptuous are they. Self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. We see that happening today. We can put the leadership, whether it be in the church or in the county or in the state or the federal government or in the world government, somebody else wants to be better and it's the same attitude that was there in that first or in that uh, beginning in the a beginning when God set these things up so here we find that we as people are just like Satan Satan decided he wanted more and he rebelled. And it took a third 
or he took a third of the angels with him. So it says that there was a whole lot of angels and one third of those angels were actually under his control. In Revelation 12, verse 3 and 4, it says, And there uh, appeared another wonder in heaven. Behold, a red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven crowns upon his head, and his tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven, and did cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman which was ready to give birth, for to devour her child as soon as it was born. So it tells us here that Satan was very powerful. Can you imagine that he had a third of all the angels that God had created under his authority? And he swayed them to go against God. How much time was involved? We don't know. The scriptures don't say exactly how how much time was involved in that in that beginning. I kind of wonder and speculate maybe that maybe it was a thousand years. Because God uses that as a tool that we see today. The plan of God is set up on a seven thousand year program. 6,000 years for men to live on the planet and try to do it right. And they've never been able to do that. Psalms, verse 90. Psalm 90. Lord, you have been our, this is verse 4, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations before the mountains were brought forth even you have founded the earth and the world even the everlasting to everlasting you are God so God said he did these things he's been there before that time that beginning and he will be there long after that you did turn man to destruction and say, Return, you children of men, for a thousand years in your sight is but as yesterday, and when it passed as a watch in the night. And in Second Peter 3, verse 8, says, But behold, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the eternal as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. So I looked at that and said, maybe, speculating, maybe that first or that gen- that beginning back there when Satan was there and all the angels, maybe that was a thousand year period. And God was able to use that and carry it on through human life. So let's go to another beginning, another beginning. In Genesis 1, verse 1 through 3, in a beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Could that be the time when uh, the angels shouted for joy? A time when there was peace and 
harmony and unity. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters. Was this the time when Satan rebelled? That all this beauty that they shouted for joy turned to rubble, turned to destruction. As we look into the skies today through massive telescopes, we see a lot of destruction. We look at the moon and see potholes all over it. Is that a time when things change from a beginning to a time of darkness and destruction? Verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image after the likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowls of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. This is another beginning. He's created the animals, he created all these uh, creatures, uh, all the bugs. Oh, and put man over all of them. And God created man in his image. And the image of God created him. Male and female created them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. So apparently at one time, the earth was punished. There were things on the earth. And now he's telling these two people, Adam and Eve, to replenish the earth. Bring it back up again. And subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowls of the air and over all the living things that move upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every green herb for uh, bearing seed that you, upon the face of the earth and everything in the that in that which is uh, the fruit of the trees yielding seed you shall eat for meat. Back in Isaiah seven fifteen, talking about Christ, talking about Christ said, Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Is that what God was doing here? He gave them everything of great value, of good, that they could see, and uh, said, eat this. He wanted them to have the best. He wanted them to, to come to him. He wanted them to eat the good so that eventually, if they ate it, if they lived that way for a long time, they would refuse to eat it. So when he originally started this program, it was like, speaking of today, uh, that we're keeping the Feast of Tabernacles, a time that represents peace and harmony and unity. So he brought them there. He brought them as the teachers, as the leaders, as to take care of everything and put them in that Garden of Eden so that they have everything good, so that they would learn to do the right things and to reject the bad. But did God have a, a problem? No. He planned ahead. He knew ahead of time that uh, that it could be 
that they would make mistakes. For we see that he planted in the garden two trees. One, he said, if you eat of this tree, meaning eating of God, of everything that he has for you, you have eternal life. And stay away from the one, the knowledge of good and evil. So he wanted them to have everything good. He wanted them to live in a good way. But he knew the possibilities. Uh, He had contingency plans. So he put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil out there. Will they listen? Will they do it his way? Well, we know that that didn't actually happen very good, did it? We know that what happened? The angel, the covering cherub who became corrupt, was also there. God didn't know that it couldn't happen. He already knew ahead of time that these are physical flesh and blood people. They're weak. And he allowed Satan to be there, and he also put the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in there. So ahead of time, God knew what was going to happen, the possibilities. He didn't really know exactly, maybe, but he knew the possibilities were there, and he gave them everything good. But we took, as people, we chose the bad parts. Chapter 2. And God planted in the garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. So he put him there where he could have everything good. Verse 15, And God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden and to keep it. And God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree you may eat free, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat, you will die. Well, we know he ate it, and he didn't die. So what was he saying? He's going back to that same thing we said earlier. He he didn't live a thousand years. Close to it. Nine hundred and some years. But he didn't live a thousand years. Could have. He could have lived seven thousand years. He could have lived forever. But he disobeyed, and we see that he, li- he died in a day, a thousand-year day. So we can see just like the first beginning, which ended in corruption. It ended in sin. It ended with the being who had everything, who was the greatest creation that God had made at that time. It ended when he became lustful. He wanted what wasn't his. And so it ended. And the second beginning when he made mankind and put him on the earth, a time when there was peace and unity at first. How long did it go? Um, sometimes we teach that they were created 
and then the next day they were corrupted. But we, we know that it says in Genesis that God, after he had created Adam, he brought all the animals to him. And as Adam talked with these animals who were, were very friendly and loving, he gave them names. And he did that to show Adam that there was nothing that he created that was compatible to him. He didn't want him to have this close relationship with animals. He wanted a relationship, but not as a, uh, as a compatibility to, to increase. And after he had brought that, how much time was there involved in that? Was it a day or two or ten? We don't know. We can speculate or we can maybe think that there was one day. But we know that after Adam, after Eve had eaten, taken the fruit, she ate it. She gave it to her husband. Which he was supposed to be the leader, you know, the head. He was supposed to be the leader. And he let her eat it. And she didn't die. So I guess then what he did, okay, must be okay. Maybe God's not telling me the truth. But God was talking on a thousand-year day and not on a 24-hour day. So she ate it and didn't die, so he being the man and strong and everything, um, uh, then he ate it too. So he sinned. And, you know, sometimes we, we are supposed to be, we're supposed to be help meets with each other and we don't always do that. You know, Daryl brought that out at, I think, on atonement or the Sabbath afterwards, how men are supposed to be the leader of the family, the head, the responsibility, but our wives are supposed to be our helpmates. They are compatible to us and we help and work with each other. We don't look down on our families. So, God knew um, that the possibility was there for Satan, for uh, Adam to go contrary to him. But he established them. He gave them a period of time when uh, they had peace and harmony. And they did everything right. But they chose to do the wrong thing. There is a difference between animals, I mean angels and human beings. Angels were given eternal life. Well, a, a long life because God has set up a time when he can destroy them. But man is temporary. So God knew he made us temporary. Give us a temporary existence. We didn't know anything before we were born. And we certainly won't know anything when we die. So we have a very limited time life. At the time of Adam and Eve, they were given the opportunity for eternal life. At least 7,000 years was the plan that God had chose to do. So he, he put them in this garden. He gave them everything that would be great and would work out to have, just like the Feast of Tabernacles we, we heard yesterday, how fantastic it was going to be. 
That's what these people had. So, the first beginning, everything was great. They sinned. The second beginning, the same way. The Feast of Tabernacles, as we come up to that time, we're going to see wars and fightings. We've been at war and fighting for ever. We've we've always fought since the time, since the, since Adam and Eve, when these two uh, competed with each other, with uh, Cain and Abel. Uh, God had a time period. He he expected the angels to uh, be at a point in Job chapter 1, which says uh, that there was a day that God uh, had called the angelic host together, and they had to be there. So that, and so we have holy days that we have to be there. And it all helps us to see what God has for each one of us. So there was a beginning where there was peace and harmony. Could it be a thousand years? Uh, my speculation maybe. But we know that Adam was given the opportunity to live a thousand years, and he didn't. We know that the millennial period of time, which we're, which we portray today in the Feast of Tabernacles, will be a thousand years. And that period of time will start out to kind of be rough. Uh, they're not everybody going to want to obey and do things God's way. You know, Zechariah shows us that. If they don't come and keep the Feast of Tabernacles, what's going to happen? They'll go through the same things that Israel did, that Egypt did. So, for a thousand years, there will be peace and unity on the planet. So, I just speculate that maybe the first or the um, beginning with the angelic host and stuff could have been, possibly, maybe, a thousand years. And God used that to show his, and he made a whole plan of salvation. So he gave 6,000 years for us to try to to live in peace and harmony and unity. But we haven't been able to do that. We're the, up to the beginning, another beginning, I could say, and that's when Noah came on the scene. God got pretty set up with humanity and wiped them out except for eight people. So that was another beginning. And God set it up again and it still went south. It still didn't cooperate right. So this time, the Feast of Tabernacles represents a time when it will work out. Because God's going to take that one being who caused the destruction way back in the beginning when the angelic host ruled the earth, is going to take that being and confine him into captivity. And then he will give humans the opportunity to live in peace and harmony 
for a thousand years. And we will learn to do what's right. And then he will permanently, completely do away with the enemy, Satan. So, I look forward to a new beginning. We heard it yesterday, that beginning, the Feast of Tabernacles. I look forward to that time. I look forward to being able to see God. I look forward to seeing people that I've known. People that are sitting or laying out here behind my house in the graveyard. Marla and Charlotte and Charnel and Patsy and, and uh, Daryl, uh, rather, and uh, so many people. She lives back out there. These are people that I know. And I look forward to that time. I hope that through me doing the right thing and looking forward and getting my excitement to do what's right, I look forward to that time. A thousand years to be with people that I've loved and been with. To be able to see God and Christ and Paul and Peter and Noah and Elijah. I look forward to seeing those people. So, that's what I look forward to. That's what I look at the Feast of Tabernacles as. A time for unity. A time of harmony. A time when there will be peace. And we will get rid of humanity. Thank you.